Um, so I was two minutes late because I wanted to watch a TV show, and every every second of being late felt like an eternity. <laughs> and it kind of it kind of reminded me. Um, so I'm uh, half German. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I guess I should have guessed from the name Hellman. Yeah, with two N's. It's a very German spelling. Um, yeah, both my paternal grandparents were German. And one time, uh, when I was like 15 or so, my grandmother, we went with my grandmother back to Germany, back to like the very small village she grew up in, and um, met some of the people that she knew. And she was like, oh, yeah, you're going to meet my friend. And um, we like had this appointment to have like lunch together. And he was, no joke, like I think three minutes late for the lunch. And I remember as like a 15-year-old, like he was not prostrating himself, but like apologetic. He he apologized for longer for being late, possibly three minutes late. The amount of time he apologized was longer than it than the amount of time he was late. And he was just like so sorry. And this is just like a German thing. Like German people like to be on time. Um, and it's something I think I've inherited because like I'm like feeling this anxiety in my chest of like I'm two minutes late. I, I'm three minutes late. I'm, oh my God, it's going on four minutes. What am I going to do? <laughs> no, that's that seems normal. But it's fine. Turns out it's fine. You can just like be late. I don't understand people who can just like be late because I get upset about it. This is Idle Curiosities, a search-driven podcast by Jason Hellman and me, Emily Rose. Music by Yuri Beats and art by Katie Rose. So I don't know if you've opened the sheet. I have. How do you want to do this? Because <laughs> I kind of threw you a curveball this week, I feel like. No, I don't think this is too bad. I think this is interesting enough. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. All right. We don't have to start there either. Th this show isn't about equal time. It's not about ensuring that we each have the same amount of search terms going. It's not about alternating search terms. It's about curiosity and kind of showing what we're learning and what we're doing with our lives. And I feel like your terms really lean into that this week. Yeah, mine, uh, I messaged you earlier this week and I was like, boy, have I got some for you. Because truly, I think this embodies, like you said, like the spirit of what we initially conceived of, which is like your search terms kind of tell a story of like how your life has been going. And I have six bangers all in a row. All of these searches occurred between the hours of 5.30 and 8.30 in the morning, I would guess, earlier this week. And, you know, I've got an infant and like he's awake, so I'm awake and... Yeah, my brain is just not doing the best brain things right now. So I don't know. Should we just start here or should we should we see if we, we get there organically or has it been built up? Let's dive in. Okay. So you have six search terms, which you have highlighted in blue to indicate that they are all related. Yeah, if you couldn't tell, they're all related. No, they, they kind of are. So I'm just going to go ahead and run down all six of them really quickly. Wait, can I can I propose something different? Yeah. I think we should do the first two and then uh, maybe the first three and then the, the last three. Okay. So we'll start with the first three, which are lisinopril, swollen joints, rain, swollen joints, and dehydration, hands, swollen. So if I had to guess from these context clues that you have given me, I would say that you have noticed at some point that your joints are perhaps swollen. Um, yeah. Perhaps even joints in your hands. Yeah. So what happened was I woke up, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday, and sometimes I wake up with, like, a, an idea or, like, something just, like, looping or stuck in my brain, and sometimes that thing is just, like, an abstract idea. And sometimes it's, like, something that I'm worried about, which is more often the case, because as discussed, I'm probably clinically anxious without being fully diagnosed because I just haven't made the time to see a mental health professional, which as is becoming a theme on this show, I probably should. So the thing stuck in my head 530-ish in the morning. It felt like my wedding ring was kind of tight on my finger and like I spun it around like I normally do and um, tried to get back to sleep and it just was not happening and my wedding ring has like always been tight. Like I purposefully got it tight because I was 
because you have anxiety and you don't want to lose it. Yeah, I'm so glad I did. <laughs> I'm so glad you got there before <laughs> me. Yeah, so um, I've been married for uh, eight years, and when I was getting the wedding ring fitted like nine years ago, yeah, I was like, you know, he the the jeweler was putting it on my finger. The jeweler who was a, a grandfather of a very old friend of mine. And he's like, how does that feel? I was like, it's good, but like, what if it falls off? And he's like, well, I could, you could go smaller. I was like, yeah, okay, let's do that. And he put it on and it was small. And one of my wife's favorite stories to tell is like literally in the 10 minutes after we got married and we're like at the reception talking to our friends, I said to her, my wedding ring feels really tight and I kind of want to take it off because it's just a little tight. And <laughs> her being an English teacher, being very adept at reading metaphor and subtext was like oh you just got married and now all of a sudden you have this physical <laughs> this physical representation of being married on your finger and it's feeling like it's constraining you i mean let, let's be honest here if a writer was writing that that is what it would mean yeah and it was probably a little bit of column a and a little bit of column yeah, Jason got a wedding ring that was a little bit on the small side. And, you know, nothing happened for like five, six years. You know, my ring would just feel kind of tight sometimes and I could always take it off and it wasn't a big deal. But this year has been kind of a, a mess and I just hadn't taken my wedding ring off. I don't think since January, at least. So, yeah, I woke up. The ring felt tight. I spun it around on my finger and then I'm thinking maybe my joints are swollen. And it was raining that morning. So I was like, okay, I've heard, like, I don't know, like old timey prospector. They, they could tell it's going to rain because their joints hurt. I was like, maybe because it's raining, my joints are swelling. So I used to have a store manager when I worked for Famous Footwear who swore that he could tell inclement weather based on the pain in his knees. And I think there is something to it. I'm very curious to know what you learned from your Google, because I really do think there might be something to that. where like the barometric pressure or something. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. The, the barometric pressure does change when it's raining and you have fluid inside all of your joints that can be affected by the barometric pressure. So that's not like total bullshit. OK, so, so the next like that's that's part A. It was raining. The barometric pressure pressure probably was not on my side. And. My joints, my, my knuckle joints were probably a little bit swollen. Column B is I'm on, I've, it hasn't been that long. I've been on a, a blood pressure medicine for probably a year and a half called lisinopril, which is the first thing that can also cause like water retention and your joints to swell. And then the dehydration, I don't know. I felt thirsty. <laughs> so it's like, maybe <laughs> if you're dehydrated, your joints swell. That's nothing. That's not anything. So yeah, I was like, maybe... Maybe it's just that like things are swelling that shouldn't be swelling. And maybe it's like this perfect storm of these three things of the lisinopril, the rain, and I'm dehydrated all at the same time. And that's why I can't get my ring off. And now it's time to go back to sleep, which did not happen. I'm sorry. I have to distract. But things are swelling that shouldn't be swelling would be a great title for a forbidden romance erotica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, there's a potential podcast title in that too. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Go on. Uh, so then, so that's, so now I'm in the panic phase of the morning, which is like, it's five 30. I know the baby's going to be up within about an hour. My ring feels tight. It's not, it's not coming off just like as I lay in bed, I can't remember the last time this ring has been off my finger and I'm like tossing and turning. And my wife is like, all right, what's up? And I was like, I can't get my ring off. And she's like, go back to sleep. Uh, you're a head case. This is fine. <laughs> it's, it's nothing. I am going to side with her on this. Yeah. Most times she would be right, but not today. <laughs> not that day. Go on. So the day, the day progresses and um, I was like, okay, I am going to take a shower and in the shower, I'm going to get my, you know, soapy water on my hand surely it will come off with a, a a soapy finger and like i was working it you know like millimeter by millimeter and it's starting to hurt and i was like i i was like this ring i must have moved it like it must be right over the knuckle and like i had moved it a quarter of an inch 
up my finger and I could see like under where it had been is like kind of red and not great looking. And it hurt to the point where I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this. Like this hurts too much. I'm sure there's a, uh, there must be a better way, I guess is the only thing that went through my head. So that was like my, my pressure release valve where I was like, okay, I'm going to get in the shower. And I bet if I get, if I soap it up and I was like putting, I wasn't just like putting soapy water on it. I was like putting soap directly around it. Yeah, like real, real, like really going in there with like the dawn and just like, yeah, yeah. It was like slip sliding around, like in a circle around my finger, but like not in the direction of my fingertip, which is really where I wanted the ring to go. Did you try floss? I've read. Okay, I almost included that, but I didn't want to cheat because when I was looking at one of my next terms, that was a suggestion, and it just seemed like it was. I was asking for trouble at that point to go to the floss route. What do you know about removing a stuck ring with floss? Next to nothing, except that that's like one of the big things that people recommend. It is. And I, I still, okay, so my next, should we just, should we just jump? Maybe let's jump to the next two. Your next two are remove stuck ring and Windex stuck ring. Okay. Remove stuck ring is what led me to dental floss. There's a thing where like you wrap dental floss around the ring between your ring and your finger and i guess it kind of acts as like a screw maybe like the like a it gives it a a plane to travel across and i i still don't really get like by the descriptions alone i could not grok what it was trying to convey um so that went right out the window but when i googled remove stuck ring one of the next things that came up was that windex is something that can get a ring off your finger and, and see that does not sound like something i'm familiar with well i tried it it's not something i would jump to uh, i can't remember the 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 exact like like the explanation but there was some something i came across it was like some jeweler said try windex and it made my finger very squeaky i'm sure it was free of surface debris but that ring still wasn't coming off. So <laughs> so after those two searches, you do still have one remaining search. Do we want to get to that? Yeah, let's just, let's just you know, finish it off. All right. So then you searched cut ring off a finger. Yeah. Jason. So this... <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Did you cut your ring off your finger? Well, I didn't. But we're on a video call for the first, like, we didn't plan this for whatever reason. We decided to have a video call. So I'm going to hold up my left hand. I don't know if you can see. Oh, dear. I'm holding it up. Yeah, no, it's I not on my see. finger. <laughs> There's a red line. Um, I did not cut my ring off my finger, but someone did. <laughs> I had to have someone else cut my ring off my finger. So did you go to urgent care or the ER or what did you do? No, it's, oh my God, it's so much easier than that. Like if you just, I called the, the first jeweler I could find and they said, no, we don't do that. Call the fire department. And I was like, this seems like something that is like not something the fire department should be worrying about. So I called another and that jeweler was like, yeah, come on in. I'll just like, I'll cut that son of a bitch right off there and you'll be fine. And I want to talk about the device that they used to do this because it was so stupid simple and i was so thankful that like they didn't make fun of me or like laugh at me (laughs) oh i should also add like i I got married eight years ago like i'm probably 30 pounds heavier than i was and like you don't think of like i wasn't going to ask but i assume that most people have put on weight since their wedding if it's been more than five years so i'm on i'm on eight years like i'm a good 30 pounds heavier than i was when we got married but that's just like a little denial so like i didn't google like am i too fat for my wedding ring because like what's google gonna tell me <laughs> like yeah if your <laughs> if your ring will come off it's because you probably gained weight s- slowly and you didn't realize that you were gaining weight in your fingers because it's just not the kind of thing you think about yeah you frog and tea kettle yourself wait oh yeah yeah right the slow the slow boiling yeah, yeah. um yeah so i went to this jeweler uh, they were very nice. Can you, uh, sorry, can you hear the dog crying? I, I can. Okay. I'm going to try to get her out. And no, it's okay. Knock on the door. Our listeners are very forgiving. 
she she like claws at the door when she's outside and then i bring her in and then she gets bored and then she cries and i have to take her out do you have scratch marks on your door uh yeah 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 probably a few we got that too in the house oh neville thankfully we owned the house so we didn't have to worry about it and nobody mentioned it while they were touring the house yeah not our problem anymore we own this house and yeah she's scratched up a few doors yeah so yeah i went to this jeweler they were very nice i said my ring stuck on my finger and she's like oh this guy's the best and like he's just like <laughs> sitting there and he came out with this device that was so cool it was like a little almost like a little guillotine it was like a little c that went under the ring like a, a letter c that goes under the ring and then a sawtooth blade but like a tiny like smaller than a dime and it's connected so the the sawtooth blade like it's lowered onto the ring the c goes under the ring so it's like protecting my finger so that he doesn't like saw into my finger and he just like cranks it and until he like cuts clean through and then uses pliers and then like pulls it apart and um and yeah it came right off yeah okay so without telling me how this actually worked what i would like to know is if at that point he goes sure i'll do it for you it is x dollars what is the highest number he could have said that you would have paid in that moment? Well, knowing that the fire department was right down the road, and I think my taxes cover getting a ring cut off my finger, I'm not sure. They would have made fun of me. They would have, like, the, the fireman would have given me a noogie, I think, and said, like, <laughs> look, at the, look at the fat nerd who got his ring stuck on his finger. Because firemen are famous for not liking helping yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just jocks who just want to give you noogies. I would have paid in that moment. I was so anxious and worried that my I was going to lose a finger, even though, like, there was no basis for that in reality. Like, this ring this ring had been on my finger for so long, and it was fine. It's not one of those things where, like, overnight it's suddenly that much worse. No. It was just I noticed it, and then I got fixated on it. I would have paid $75 right then and there to just have it be over and done with and know that it was fine. And did he charge you any? No charge. He said, "Okay." If he said, "I'll cut it off and I'll resize it," he's gonna charge me to basically resize the ring. But I can't go back for like two weeks because the last thing he said was like, "Okay, so like, I cut it off. Your finger needs to heal because it's a little gnarly now." Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Okay, so I'll see you in like two or three days." And he's like, "No, it's gonna take like two or three weeks to like fully heal." And I was like, all right, cool, I'll see you then. And um, I didn't even ask how much he charges to resize the ring. I, I, like, it can't, I don't know how much it could cost. It can't be that much. I'm sure it's reasonable. But that was going to be my next question was, what are you doing with the ring situation now? But there you go. Well, I, I was going to take it home. And then I was like, no, I have a four-year-old who, like, it, like, all I need is, like, I bring home this, like, ring and he eats it. I don't know. <laughs> That's all I could think is, like, I'm going to bring home a broken ring and a toddler's or a... Uh, uh, He's not a toddler anymore. Oh, he's four. A four-year-old is going to eat the ring. Wait, where does toddler cut off? I would say three. Once you turn three, I think you're not... Because, like, at three, you're kind of walking more confidently. Like, you got pep in your step. He's not, like, falling over. I'm not worried about him. Oh, okay. So he's not toddling. I guess that makes sense. He's not toddling, right. He's, like, he's like taking steps, and, and I'm no longer worried that with every step he could you know, topple over and hit his head on something. Okay. So that's the ring. That's what I like to call, uh, Wagner called it the ring cycle. That was his like big opera about uh, the ring that inspired Lord of the Rings. I call this my, my personal ring saga, which is for legal reasons, uh, a, a distinct entity. Now see, it is six parts. I'm a little confused that a six part story actually went in chronological order. I feel like you should have told the second half of it first and then gone back. Oh, interesting. So, like, you would have arranged it in, like, a different kind of, like, story circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. I finally did it. I did one. So I Googled this week. I Googled the term story circle because we were just recording a podcast with Bethany Sparkle uh, talking about Girl Interrupted, which will be on the Patreon feed. And... During that podcast, we got to talking about story structure for a few seconds, and I was like, does Dan Harmon's story circle apply to this? And then I thought, 
I do not remember the distinct steps of Dan Harmon's story circle, so I looked it up. And as I was looking up the story circle and looking at the six steps that comprise it, I realized that I did not remember the beats of Girl Interrupted well enough to actually apply it to the story circle, even though I had just watched the movie that day. And wait, was this the day we talked about it or? Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So the the moral of the story here, if there is a moral, in fact, is that I am the worst film fan. I am so bad at watching movies with any sort of critical eye and yet somehow that's what you're getting a podcast of uh next week in your patreon feeds so <laughs> look forward to that you nerds bethany is very good at that and they kind of kept us uh i would say on on pace i don't know it was it was i think so it was a slightly weirder episode because that first one we had you driving it and pushing forward with, okay, here's every single beat of the story. Here we go. And for this one, it was a lot looser, a lot less structured because you didn't have the same like emotional attachment to it. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit freer and we were kind of hopping around a little bit more, which I kind of liked. But at the same time, it also felt like once we were getting to the end, it was like, oh, did we hit everything? I don't know. Well, we didn't go through it beat by beat by beat by beat. Well, also the story is less linear of Grill Interrupted. That's true. So it's like, it's... It's harder to be like, well, first this happens, but really when you're seeing this, this is going to come back at, you know, the hundred and, you know, 10 minute mark because it's like, it's, it's, it's intentionally disjointed in that way to kind of make you feel like you're not quite sure what's going on because you're meant to kind of empathize with a woman who kind of is feeling the same thing. Yeah. Anyway, we have a spoiler cast coming up of that. Uh, the movie is on Amazon Prime, so you should probably just go ahead and watch that now, because it's a fun, good conversation. I think we said a lot of valuable stuff in it, and honestly, we, we just had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, Bethany is very fun to talk to. Oh, every time, which is why we're doing a third episode with Bethany. And we don't have a movie picked out yet. Oh, no, we have a movie. Oh, right, we do. Right, because I started watching it. Oh, my goodness. That was the very end of it. I was like, I'm going to start watching this right now. <laughs> I forgot because it was a movie I'd never heard of, which is? I, I don't want to say. Uh, we will reveal what that movie is at the end of that episode. But I, I'm excited because it is kind of a darker, more like horror-themed movie, which Jason traditionally doesn't do well with. Yeah, I'm going to be a big boy. And yet, and yet we gave Jason options. And this is what Jason chose from the options that were presented. To be fair, I also decided this week that I'm going to try and watch The Thing for the first time. I've never seen The Thing. I'm going to try. It's a little bit inspired by the Among Us hype that's uh, sweeping the internet, I guess. the Wait, how are those connected? Um, so in Among Us... All, all, the only thing I have played... Is Hades, I know. Is Hades. The so only good. thing I have played is Hades. Every day, I wake up, I run to the computer, I do a quick Hades before I even get my I coffee. I do a Hades? I go get my coffee, and I come back, and I do another Hades. Okay? I'm just constantly running Hades. I like I do a Hades for an episode title. <laughs> um, so Among Us, yeah, is like this game that has... Uh, it was like this obscure game that nobody was playing. It was like a it's like a social deduction game where you play... A yeah, wasn't it out for like a year? Yeah, it was It was just out there. And then I believe Soda Poppin, who's a, a Twitch streamer, like one of the, like, I don't know, probably top 1% easily. Of course, it, of course it comes back to Twitch. Yeah, Twitch streamer plays this game and it just explodes. But essentially... The gameplay is where you are a crew member on a ship, as I understand it, somebody who has never seen the thing but is kind of aware of what happens in the thing. Um, crew members are being murdered on the ship, and um, it is up to the crew members to suss out who is really a human and who is an alien monster that is just impersonating a human and murdering their fellow crew members. Yeah, so like I it's I've I've seen on all of my Twitch people that I follow, uh most of them are like StarCraft 
or Hearthstone <laughs> or League of Legends players, um, but a bunch of them have been playing Among Us, and like I've kind of watched it and followed along, and that made me think like I should I should watch the thing. It's Halloween. It's it's wait I. S- I still don't know how those are connected. Oh, sorry. In the movie The Thing, there's a uh, there's an alien that looks like a human, and it's murdering uh, all the other crew members. Oh, okay, okay, I, okay, okay. I'm bad at uh, I'm bad. I I made I made a big leap assuming that other people have probably read the Wikipedia entry for The Thing, which <laughs> I at some point I definitely did, but I don't remember like character names, so it's probably not going to get spoiled for me when i actually finally watch it I'll, I'll watch it too i will add it to my list of things to do this week and then maybe we can do a mini sode about it okay yeah i'm good with that i am looking through your search terms and i am seeing there's actually one of these i'm curious about because i want to know why you searched it okay i think i know which one it's going to be and i'm well go ahead what does hey email rules mean <laughs> actually no can we go back for a second yeah Pennsylvania real estate taxes do. Are you telling me that you don't have those in escrow? I don't. And it's, uh, I don't want to get into this. Uh, we could, they're not in escrow because. <laughs> because. I don't know how much of this I'm going to talk about. You don't have to. <laughs> left you've left me no clear transition point except for i'm thinking about how dipping a cheeto in creme fraiche or as i say creme fraiche creme fraiche so i've had this bug in the back of my brain recently where i'm going oh i need to bake more i need to start baking again because it's fall and when it's fall you bake that's just how things work it's the law if you didn't know that it is and so I found myself going, oh, what should I make? What should I make? What should I make? So I pulled out Rose Levy Baronbaum's book, The Baking Bible. A great book. I highly recommend it. And I just started paging through it. And I came across a recipe that I've kind of like floated past before and thought about making. And this time I'm like, okay, I'm finally going to do it. And so it is called the chocolate tea cake. Hmm. That's chocolate tea cake. T-E-A. So you, I've heard of recipes where you cook, you bake with tea. Yeah. So this one you are baking with black tea and instant powdered lemon tea. Okay. And it's a, um, it's a Genoese sponge, a chocolate Genoese sponge that uses creme fraiche in it to get some of uh, the tanginess and the, like, acidity. So creme fraiche is, I guess the best description of it would be it's similar to sour cream if you mixed in a little bit of buttermilk. It, it's like, I, I'm trying to think of recipes I've used creme fraiche in. The only things I can think of are mostly, like, almost like Mexican, I feel like, has that, like, like tangy, like sour creamy kind of... Yeah, yeah. But it's like fancy because it's French. So I've run into the problem of I live in Wisconsin. And in Wisconsin, people are not ambitious. People are not experimental. People are not going out of their way to pick up books written by bakers who are going to use off-the-wall ingredients. Let's not paint with a broad brush here. I am painting with a broad brush because I could not find goddamn creme fraiche anywhere in this goddamn town. You live in the dairy capital of the entire contig- lower 48. Let's say that. So I went to a few stores. I went to a few stores looking for creme fraiche and came up completely empty. And the last one I was at, I was over in the organic section Because I went, you know, at last ditch attempt, maybe they'll have it in the organic section because it's a weird ingredient. And as I'm standing there, an employee comes up to me and goes, are you finding everything? And I go, no, no, not really. And she's like, oh, okay. I'm like, I was really hoping to find creme fraiche. She had no idea what it was. Did you say it with the appropriate? No, I'm looking at Wikipedia. Uh Uh-huh. 
creme fraiche has a accent over the E in creme mm-hmm. and then a little tent boy over the I in fresh. Yes. I don't know how that is pronounced. I believe I said it right because I said it the way that they say it on Bake Off. Yes. But yeah, she had no idea what it was. And so I ended up pulling it up on my phone and showing her an image. And once she saw that Yo Play has a version of it and Alouette has a version of it, she was like, okay, I know we carry these brands, so I can probably get it through my distributor. Then she goes, we should get a new order of dairy. And on Monday, I will try to ensure that that's in that order. So tomorrow I get to go to the store and find out if I get to make my cake. Crème fraîche. Crème fraîche. Well, I hope you find it. It seems like a like like a dairy crime that you could live in Wisconsin. Like the one thing you should be able to get in Wisconsin is is any sort of fucking dairy that I want. Yeah, because like I couldn't get it if I went. I could drive a hundred miles in any direction and ask for cheese curds, and they'd be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? Do you mean cheese? Because I can give you a cheese, but I could not get a curd." And yet, I assume you walk out your door and people are just, like, handing you curds of of all variety. Oh, yeah, no. I never leave the house without a newspaper so I can just, like, swat away the dairy vendors. Yeah. 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 Get them all. Like, I don't want your curds. No. Be gone. Be gone, curd vendor. Have you ever had just, like, a bag of cheese curds? Not, like, the breaded fried ones. Just, like... I don't know. Is it like, is it cottage no, cheese? No. Okay. Clearly you have not. I haven't. Just a second. Let me pull up an image reference for you. I'm going to send you a link via our Discord group. Copy image. It's curdle. Like curdle. Curd comes from curdle, right? Right there. Each of those pieces is about the size of a nickel or a quarter. Those are cheese lumps. I'm looking at cheese lumps. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah, absolutely. So, how how that become cheese? That is cheese. I thought they were curds. No, that is cheese. So cheese is curds. I don't know what you want me to tell you here. I don't know what I'm asking. It's just they look like it looks like cheese lumps. I've got. I'll, I'll send you another image, and maybe this will help. Okay. Move things out just a little. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Does that help? This is make this is just even more confusing because now they've got garlic and dill on them. So the thing that I really wanted to point out is that you can buy these bags of cheese curds uh, just everywhere. Gas stations, grocery stores, everywhere. They're sitting out on counters at the grocery store because you aren't supposed to eat them when they're cold. They're supposed to be just warm enough that they squeak when you bite into them. Sorry, squeak. And Say that squeak. again. Yes, squeak. You got, you got squeaky cheese. You got to have squeaky cheese. You know it's a good cheese curd because it squeaks. In your teeth. Um, like, you bite yeah. it, and it squeaks. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever had a squeaky cheese. So, my problem is they're normally sold in, like, 16-ounce, one-pound bags. Okay. And they are so high-calorie <laughs> that you don't realize you've done it, but you've gone through a 1,000 calories in one sitting of just cheese. Yeah. That's how cheese curds do. It's not hard to do either. Like, you don't realize that you've gone through a thousand calories. I can go through a bag of cheese curds without batting an eye. And then afterwards, I'm going, gee, why is it I'm not losing weight this week? Because <laughs> you're eating a full bag of cheese. I like, okay, wait, how many, maybe I should look at the calories on the cheese that I eat. The only, the, the cheese I eat most weeks um, I will make a like caprese salad where like I'll buy from sure. the grocery store like little like bald mozzarella and grape tomatoes, and I'll put oil and balsamic vinegar glaze and like some basil and salt, and I'll eat that. And that kind of feels like a lot of cheese and it's mozzarella, but like, am I eating a thousand calories worth of? No, no. Are you eating a pound of cheese? A pound is a lot. No, I'm not eating a pound of cheese. No, because, like, I know what what the balls you're talking about look like, okay? How much of one of those packages of mozzarella balls are you putting in each salad? Like, maybe a, a third? Yeah, you're, you're 
completely fine. Okay. Pound of cheese curds, which we've established is is essentially cheese. You're you're eating a pound of cheese. It's not essentially cheese. It is cheese. Then why call it curds? Why not just call it cheese? This is what I don't I don't understand. Because it's these it's these giant like curds of cheese. But so curd is cheese. I don't know how to help. Curd is cheese. It just is a different form of cheese. It's just cheese in this curd shape in this curd style. Well, you can't just say curd like I'm gonna know what a curd is. Like lump. It's cur- It's cheese lump. Cheese lump. You eat cheese lump. Cheese lump. You eat a pound of cheese lump. I eat a pound of cheese lump. And then you say, I feel like I've eaten too much cheese lump today. <laughs> and you look back and you've eaten you've eaten a thousand calories worth of cheese lump. Oh, and it goes by in a blink. You don't even notice it. It's so easy. I'm not judging. Like I I'm sure I could easily eat a pound of cheese lump but now this is not you were saying before like this isn't the fried curd so then this could then be further (laughs) calorified by battering and deep frying it and eating it as a as a a bonus treat oh yes absolutely Hmm. and if you're going to make cheese curds it really is best to use really fresh cheese curds to do it with if you're going to make fried ones so what is the so you, you, we have not come to the like end of the story say so, oh, come Monday or Tuesday it sounds like you're going to know whether you actually Yeah, so hopefully tomorrow I will get a phone call from Festival and they will tell me whether I get to or do not get to make my cake this week. But I know that on Tuesday we're going to Minneapolis, so if I do not find creme fresh by Tuesday I'm going to pick some up in Minneapolis at like Trader Joe's or something. Because god damn it, I'm making a cake. With creme fraiche. Exactly. I'm Googling creme fraiche Philadelphia. I think you're thinking of cream cheese. Yeah, like this is all I'm seeing is people are like, do you mean Philadelphia cream cheese? But that was never like a Philadelphia staple. Like Philadelphia cream cheese, I don't know if that actually started here or not. I don't know. That could that could be like a follow-up for me. Philadelphia was red herring. Yeah. So tell me about hey email rules. Hey, email rules. Hey email no fuck no. Email hey. email is a constant burden. Email is one of those things where you get an email and you go, this is either going to be an announcement that I get a free breakfast burrito from Taco John's, or I'm not going to be happy that I just got this email. If someone named Taco John emails you and says, here's a free breakfast burrito, you respond to that email. First of all, let's just get that out of the way. You take that email. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey. Hey, email rules. Um, this one, I think I only included this one because of it would be that what I was seeking when searching for this thing could potentially be so different from how you would read this as a query. So I started using this email service called Hey, H-E-Y. It is uh, uh, Basecamp, if anybody has ever used like that as a professional tool. It's like a, you know, like a professional collaboration tool. Um, But they came up with this email service and um, I'm constantly looking for an excuse to not give Google any more personal information than they need about me. Um, not that like I think they're going to use it in an untoward way because I know they will, but more just like a, a, a out of principle sort of thing. So I'm happy to give Hey $100 a year for their kind of more task and purpose oriented email service. Sure. And it's pretty okay. Like that sounds like a pretty shitty endorsement of it. It's, it's oh, it's a really shitty endorsement. Of it's it. good. Um, if I could just pay a hundred dollars for like Google to forget everything it knows about me, like I would just do that and keep using Gmail. But that's not really an option. So I started using Hey, and the like one issue I had with it is there's a lot of cool features, but the one thing I couldn't find is like the skip inbox. Um, rule that you can set up with gmail where you can say like hey if any sender gives me sends me anything i want it to not go to my inbox i want to get to get this label and just like auto you know mark it as red and and to get forwarded to track at junecloud.com yeah not deliveries we are 
that was a uh, I'll fully endorse deliveries as an app, uh, which Emily's uh, kind of that was was that, what was that like a side side push? Well, see, that's what I use that rule for in Gmail. Is whenever I get a uh, an email from Amazon that says um, order confirms or whatever in the subject line, it skips my inbox and gets auto forwarded to track at junecloud.com and then gets archived. That's a good rule. And I yeah. don't think that's something. So that's what I assumed you were doing. You cannot do that with Hey. I was just looking because um, my child child's school uses this maybe the worst app I've ever had to use. Like in the hit, like I've been using a f- iPhone since fucking iPhone like 3G. I think this is the this is the worst app. It's called Tadpoles and it fucking sucks. And you know teachers take pictures throughout the day. They send updates. So, like, I get seven to ten emails a day from tadpoles. Oh, God. And it's just, like, you know, pictures of my kid at school. And I'm like, that's awesome. I love seeing pictures of him being engaged and playing with his friends and all that. Wearing a mask. He's always wearing a mask, which kids have been better fucking rule followers at wearing a mask than, like, half the adults I've encountered this year. And um, I just, all I wanted it to do was, like, if it's coming from this email address, just don't don't tell me. I don't care. I can open up the app if I want to see pictures and apply this label. And that label gets to go in a special bucket where if I want to see all the pictures that the school has ever sent me, just, like, I can go there and do that on my own time. But, like, I, it's not an actionable email where, like, I don't have to respond to it. I don't have to mm-hmm. think about it. Just, like, you know, put it aside. And um, that one thing, I want the one email app that's not Gmail to do. It it can't do. It can't do it. I mean, it's fine that it can't do everything. I mean, it's not like you're paying $100 a year for it. Yeah, I'm paying them $100 a year for it. But hey, hey, email rules. So anyway, I thought it was funny that like it's the service is called Hey. And I Googled Hey email to like because to differentiate from like Hey, just like the, you know, yeah, 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 just like the word. Right, it's like the word hey. <laughs> and then I and like rules I added on cuz I like that's how I think about like how how an email server should like handle parameters, like you know, if it comes from this person, do this thing. And then I look back at like my search history this week and it just said like, "Hey, email rules." And I don't know why it tickled me so much that like you could read that as like a a very conversational like thing you are having with your 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 Google browser of choice and like hey hey email rules but that's not what it was i hope that dhh eventually adds the functionality that you need yeah me too i'm not i'm not holding out hope um so does does he have like a helpline or something where you can just like put in a request yeah like their um their like help ticket service is actually pretty good you know because you are paying again a hundred dollars a year to use this thing um they are pretty responsive and like everything I've sent through, they've been like, yep, okay, here's here's uh, something. It, it is something we're playing on doing, and here's like the timeline. And, you know, they'll say like, you know, this is should be within three months, six months, or whatever. I don't know. Okay, are you going to submit a ticket for this? Have you submitted a ticket for this? No, I'm not. Like, I just don't want to, I don't want to be a bother. You're paying them $100 a year for fucking email. Yeah. All right, maybe I will. This could be a follow-up subject. Oh, wait, I have a follow-up to my, my, I have double follow-ups right now. Okay, let's hit them. Um, the maggots are all dead. They were dead. Oh, thank God. They were dead two months ago. Uh, I should have followed okay. up on that sooner. Second, um, my, my thing where I was talking about the Eagles, all Philadelphia Eagle players being hurt. <laughs> um, we're now in week, I think, six of the NFL and, and everything is better now. Everybody's healed. They're all <laughs> playing again. Of, of the 11 offensive starters on the philadelphia eagles this week by the end of the game against the baltimore ravens uh there were two two people still left (laughs) two of the 11 offensive starters are left and uh that's that so i would like to talk about the chicago bears going to the super bowl (laughs) baby (laughs) is that no you should be a green bay packers fan you're not a bears fan right i i'm from iowa and we don't have a sports team so I just latched on to whatever my friends were into, and I had some friends who were huge Chicago Bears fans. Okay. So that's what I latched on to. 
Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. 2006 was interesting. I read. Was that the. <laughs> was 2006. Oh, what was his name? Fuck it, I'm throwing downfield. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Rex Grossman. Rex Grossman. Yes. That was. Was that Kissing, Stu- uh, Kissing Susie Colber? There was like a sports. Like a Deadspin esque sports blog called Kissing Susie Colber that I believe published an article of like a like a satirical article from the perspective of rex grossman just called fuck it i'm throwing down field <laughs> i wasn't that tied into sports culture but that wouldn't surprise me at all that sounds about right you were not tied into much tied into that as much as you were hybrid theory 20th anniversary has it been 20 years it has been 20 years since hybrid theory came out lincoln park's debut LP, Hybrid Theory. Now, this links to Chicago, believe it or not. It does, actually. Yes, I do know this. Uh, Lincoln Park got its name after Lincoln Park in Chicago, but then they changed the spelling so it didn't look like they were cheating off someone else's homework. Yeah. I'm so glad you know that. Yeah. They did not, in fact, name their band specifically so that they would be slotted next to Limp Biscuit at Walmart in the CD rack. Uh, That's diabolical. That rumor did float around for a while. That is not what they did. What? Like, is there a better, like, <laughs> a better encapsulation of, like, the early 2000s that, like, that rumor existed and that you knew about it? That, like, <laughs> Lincoln Park was going to piggyback off the success of Limp Biscuit by... It's just the old school SEO. <laughs> it's just, it's a very analog <laughs> SEO. You know how everybody loves Limp Biscuit? Like, what if we called our... What if we called our band Lips Friskets? Anyway, uh, Hybrid Theory is celebrating its 20th anniversary. So they did a deluxe reissue, which if you go on Spotify and look up the deluxe reissue of Hybrid Theory, it is four and a half hours long. What? It's Hybrid Theory, reanimation, a bunch of demos, some live stuff. Some unheard stuff, some Linkin Park Underground releases that have finally been made public. It's a lot of really, really cool content. And so, of course, because it's a big deluxe collector's edition, they also did a a big merch push. So they've got all sorts of new, unique merch that's celebrating Hybrid Theory. Hybrid Theory had a really strong design language that went along with it. So they've kind of reprised that design, and they've really expanded on it and built off of it and it's really cool to look at what where this has evolved to 20 years later i mean design sensibilities have changed and so they've modernized some stuff a little bit while staying true to the nature of what it originally was so that's all really fun but the real standout is that they did a deluxe vinyl release of the 20th anniversary edition of the album And the deluxe vinyl release includes seven CDs and three LPs. Did you buy it? It is $200. Did you buy it? I did not. I desperately want to. I desperately want to. But I did not. I don't know a lot about Linkin Park, but there's a man named Chester, right? Chester Bennington was their lead singer, yes. He committed suicide two-ish years ago, I think. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. uh, Pretty tragic. Oh. And so I don't think that officially Linkin Park has done anything else since then. Um, Besides, there's one track on this new release where Mike Shinoda went through and pulled an unfinished demo and finished it up a little bit in kind of his like modern electronic production style. It's not very good, but it's kind of... kind of fun to see that they're trying to find new ways to honor the legacy that was left behind instead of just letting it all stagnate so i'm i'm looking at this four hours and 25 minutes yeah that's um that's like an opera that's like an opera plus it's bangers all the way through uh disc three on spotify that starts with carousel it's the hybrid theory ep that is incredible stuff that I feel like a lot of people missed. That's the EP that came out before Hybrid Theory, back before people really knew who Linkin Park was. I'm not even sure if they were called Linkin Park at that time. Um, but that's a great little record. I also highly recommend the 
disc five, which is the LPU rarities disc. The dedicated demo from 1999 is, it's just one of those things that is special enough that I feel like it should have gotten a formal release. And it's really sad that it never did. I so want to come with you on this journey. <laughs> and it's just like so out of my wheelhouse. Like it's just so not so where I ever was as a human being when this all was popping off. Like I guess I was in like junior high or high school. Probably for a decade I called Lincoln Park my favorite band. Really? And I would still hold them up there as one of my favorite artists of all time. Everything they've done slaps. Do I, it's do I have a lot to learn? I don't know. Do you? <laughs> I, I think I'm like your your like nega nega self because to me and I'm going off of uh, like just again my like high school self who was like oh I don't I just like had a intrinsic um I, I was just like never uh, I was always like put off by Lincoln Park I don't know why interesting so I found Lincoln Park because of a youth pastor who pulled in one of their songs and did a message built around it where he kind of perverted their lyrics to create a sermon, um, which is definitely not something that they would have ever <laughs> been cool with. And I was like, oh, yeah, this band, really, they're really good. And so I picked up Meteora and Hybrid Theory, and I just went, like, really deep, and I memorized every fucking moment of those records. The first record I ever bought with my own money was Linkin Park's Reanimation. And the reason I picked Reanimation instead of one of their other two LPs that were out at the time is because it had the highest track count. I mean, bang for your buck. You got to get that bang for your buck. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. I think I could name, I know In the End. Yep. And Crawling. Yeah. And I'm looking at the rest of it. This is. There's a, there's a great remix of Crawling on their uh on reanimation but like i'm um, that features aaron lewis from stained if that appeals no, to you no 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 you're going further away one step closer one step closer has a great remix featuring jonathan davis from corn you're you're veering further from from me um you're just executioner style so, has a remix we're getting so far away Executioner style has a remix featuring black thought from the roots oh okay now we're a little closer to things uh -huh. i like um in the end has a remix featuring motion man don't don't i don't know i'm if, returning okay. returning no on that one I, i'm not never heard of that person that's fine by myself has remix featuring marilyn manson i know him that can't be that's that little guy who spoke to me he removed his rib all those years ago to suck his own pp <laughs> And I can't rhyme the last line. If I really could, I could have stuck that. We could have gone out on that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, uh, Lincoln Park is absolutely like, I, I love them so much. They are almost certainly solely responsible for my sustaining love of heavy music and loud music. Man, so I don't think I ever had, yeah, that was just never me. I think they were too mainstream, and I I fancied myself very a, a very um, counterculture punk rock uh, upper middle class suburban Jewish boy. So, so so more like Green Day. I was I was much more into the your Green Days. I was much more into your uh, Rancids, your Operation Ivies. Okay, okay, um, okay. You know you know the people who sang about like literally living in the gutter in San Francisco in like the Tenderloin. Um, as I enjoyed my, my, my warm mac and cheese in suburban Philadelphia in 1997. <laughs> and it, they just spoke okay. to me. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Oh, so yeah. Hybrid Theory, 20th anniversary. Go look it up on Spotify or whatever service you use. Listen to the 1999 demo of Dedicated. If you liked Hybrid Theory and want more of that style. Because it's one of those tracks that fell under the radar that I think any Linkin Park fan should know. And it's four and a half hours long. Well, the whole album is, yeah. Oh, the whole seven, seven discs. That's so many. Six discs. But you don't have to listen to all six discs because disc two is literally just reanimation. So if you already know that one, you can skip it. Oh, well, how convenient for anybody who is intimately familiar with Linkin Park and is already listening right. to 
Hybrid Theory 20th Anniversary Edition. But I did get through the entire thing, and it is worth it. I would okay if you give me like one disc of this to listen to, I would I'll I'll commit to I'll commit to listen. I mean, to if you don't know the main record, I would just recommend listen to that first disc, the main record. I know it is. It's genius all the way through. They did that Jay-Z thing, right? Yep, yep. Was that this record? If you want something that's slightly more experimental than the main record, definitely listen to Reanimation. Because it's the same songs. They've been... There are a lot of extra voices in there, so if you thrive off of variety, it's a much better lesson than the main record just because you've got extra voices in there. You get extra styles brought in. You, there's some strings at times. There's a lot of programming. It's really, really fun. I've become so such a the antithesis of like my high school self where like I'm just, you know, listening to Taylor Swift basically on repeat at this point. Um, so this is this will be like a good counter counter punch to that. The most Taylor Swift esque track on here is gonna be on reanimation and it's a remix of My December. So I'm excited for you to hear that one. Um which which disc number is it? I'm not all that's disc number two. December. All these tracks have have at symbols and backslashes and greater than signs. Yeah, it's a remix record. That doesn't mean anything to me. They could just name it something, and then I'd be able to know what it is. By December. Oh, M. You mean M Y less than D S M B R parentheses Mickey P reanimation featuring Kelly Ali hyphen Kelly Ali. Yeah, that's the one. You know, like a normal person names a track. <laughs> Yeah. My December. My December. Anyway, um, do you want to do more? We are at an hour 20 already. Holy shit. Well, the first, like, at least 10, 15 minutes was audio nonsense. Okay. Um, well, I feel I feel like you've been wanting to talk about this one. Give me the quick rundown on Roll20 Players No Token. Okay. Yeah, I can do Because it's my understanding you DM'd a game for the first time this week, right? I did, and it was a lot of fun, and I'm now dealing with a player uh i'm dealing with a junkie uh, uh my good friend jordan who i mentioned earlier in the show i've known him since third grade he i don't i i really would never have guessed he would be my friend who like got really into D, but i ran my first game i googled roll 20 players no token because roll 20 is a, like digital tabletop system where you can have a D game where like you know, you have like a virtual grid and you move your player tokens around and your bad guy tokens around and they have a map. Um, I could not for the life of me. And the the important thing to know about Roll20 is that it is a great system that put zero thought into being user friendly. Yeah, it's, it's literally the least like everything you want to do. You, you have to like Google like what the fuck how do I how do I do like the most simple thing ever yeah, which it's, is like it's entirely unintuitive like like show my players a map with with like the bad guys on it like that is an hour of tutorials just right there but what <laughs> so I ran my first game it went great the first half hour I spent I had all of my maps laid out. I had all of my bad guys, my dungeons, my NPCs, everything. The one thing I couldn't figure out was like how to put my players in the map. So like I could not like get them immersed in the thing because they were like, mm -hmm. where am I? And I was like, uh, I mean, you're like, you're like kind of here and like trying to use like chess terms. Like, well, like if A, B, C, D, E is on the X axis and one, two, three, four, five is on the Y axis, you're at like, you're like C4. Um, or you're at like yeah, D I bet, I bet that went over like a pound of bricks. Oh yeah, C sorry, I didn't even think of that. C four, yeah. And um, I finally figured out how to get them in there, but it was a fucking oh my god, it was a pain in the ass. Uh, so yeah, roll twenty, not the most intuitive thing, but to loop back, my friend Jordan is a goddamn junkie, and um, he's been texting me probably every th three days and saying like, when is our next session? Wonderful. That's kind of what you want. I love it. Um, as a DM, I am not prepared <laughs> to run a session once a week because my D my D&D game, like we play once every six weeks, maybe. Here's the thing. Here's the thing you need to know about being prepared. You don't have to be prepared to run a game. You have to be prepared to put forward one obstacle that they can spend an hour 
fiddling over the smallest details of. Or you have to be prepared to give them one small side thing that they're going to get hyper fixated on and forget that they're supposed to be playing the game game. Yeah, well, these are... I, I agree for the most part. However, these are three people... Uh, so it's a party of three. They've never played D&D before. And they were, like, expecting, like, video game action. And, like, me, oh. I was, like, not ready for that. But um, I think I did a pretty good job, like, kind of steering them in more of the, like, exploratory, you know, like, here's the world. Here's what you're meant to get yeah. out of it. And so they did spend a good amount of time. Um, the very first NPC they interacted with, they threatened him mortally to the extent <laughs> that he did pee his pants. And I was like, okay, so you're, so this, this person is, so the, the scene started with the party at a, at a funeral and this person came up to them and was like, I've noticed you in town, blah, blah, blah. I think there's something fishy about how this person died. And like one of my players, um, my dear friend, Dave was like, can I like lift him up and like put a knife to his throat? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And like, but he's just, he's just an old man who's asking you for help. And he's like, yeah, yeah I want to do that. I was like, okay, so he starts pissing his pants because nobody's ever tried to kill him before. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, like, I, I think I got them on the right track, and and, and my other friend Jordan is, is very excited to play more. But um, I'm going to get them to understand that, like, their actions have consequences. Like, they, you, they cannot just roll through this town, like, stabbing things to yeah. solve problems. So I have this fun idea... You're trying to convince them that this isn't a on-rails game, because I think that's a trap that a lot of video game players get caught in, is they're used to games having a set number of scripted things that they have to follow the rails for, and they forget that, as the dungeon master, it's your job to make everything they do meaningful in some way. Yeah, and and in that spirit, like I'm glad you... Um, because I was not expecting this whatsoever as a DM their last encounter like the last thing they did before we like called it a night was they fought these five bandits and four of the bandits they handled easily because i as a dm for the first time not really understanding how to scale things um they they would just like yeah hot knife through butter it's just they just slashed their way through these like four poor bandits um as as this party of like a, a paladin and a, and a rogue and a bard just you know murdered did a lot of murder and i yeah. was like okay here's i'm gonna give them the, the the chance this last surviving npc is going to be surrendering begging for her life and saying like, look, I'm going to give you the information you need, which is the information I need them to have to like get to the next point. And she's going to just like be very forthcoming with that and saying like, look, I just want to survive. And like, I even, <laughs> I went so far as to say like, she's gripping something in her hand and they were like, we want to kill her. I was like, are you sure? Because like, she's like thrusting it into your chest and finally one of them was like all right yeah I'll, I'll look at the thing and it's like a portrait of her and her three young children and then they still just like straight up cold-blooded murdered her um so you, you uh you made sure to adjust all of their alignments appropriately correct well we we have alignments yet but yeah we we did talk about like you know, good people don't murder other people in cold blood. And we just had that talk as like human, human adults. But now I'm starting to plot this like... Can, can you say on here, is anybody going to listen to this? I don't think they do because they're like good friends, but they're not great friends. Okay, okay, okay. I get it. <laughs> they listened. No, they're they're all like my three of my closest friends, but I don't think they're listening. And if they are, like, good for you. You're going to get an advantage because uh, I will fully come forth and spill the beans that i'm not planning to have her now orphaned children i believe i'm gonna have i i thought i was gonna have two but now i think i'm gonna have three of them they will later be showing up as three children stacked on top of each other in a trench coat as what i'm calling the wraith of vengeance um who will be haunting the party no matter where they go, <laughs> these children will be following them. And whenever they sleep, wherever they're sleeping, all three will get a knock on their door at the same time. 
So like as a like an above board party, they're gonna know like their doors are being knocked on at the same time. What they don't know is it's because there's three children all knocking on their door simultaneously and cool them all co- coalesce back into the Wraith of Vengeance. And um they are going to yell smoke bomb, but in Elvish, and cast this spell called Fog Cloud and disappear. And the only way to placate them is um they just want candy. <laughs> and how do you find out that they want candy? Well, that you'd have to ask them. Okay. Okay. So they have they have to be human enough for a moment to think about actually talking to somebody instead of just stabbing them. Yeah, they're going to have to like consider like if they try to attack this otherworldly wraith, um there will be a smoke bomb and they'll just disappear. But if they talk to them, like if if the party talks to <laughs> this imposing scary wraith form they'll just say like i just want some candy it's gonna be it like if they give them candy i think i think the children will then maybe follow them around and then i will put on them like you're in you murder their mother so like you're in charge of these kids now oh that's great i really like this idea overall as a way to teach the foundational moral rules of D. Yeah, you murder a kid's parents, you're in charge of the kids now. <laughs>